0: While we remain standing, I'd like to offer our scripture lesson for the sermon today from 1 John chapter 3. I'll be reading verse 24 through chapter 4, verse 6. Before doing so, I'd like to ask if you'll join me in prayer. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your living and active and wondrously sharp word. We do pray that you will continue to shape us This day, by your word, by your spirit, as you conform us to the image of Jesus Christ, for we pray this in his name, and we know that you are faithful. We pray this in the matchless name of Jesus our Lord, and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. 1 John chapter 3, I'll begin in verse 24. The one who keeps his commandments abides in him, and he in him. We know by this that he abides in us by the Spirit. ...whom He has given us. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Messiah has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is of the anti-Messiah, which you have heard... That it is coming, and now it is already in the world. You are from God, little children, and you have overcome them, because greater is He who is in you than He who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore, they speak as from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. He who knows God listens to us. He who is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the Spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Thus far the reading of God's word, and all of God's children said. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Holy Spirit Basics. Before getting into that, I'd like to point out that I am amazed at how quickly some Christians are to enter into contentions and quarrels. The word cantankerous springs to mind. Some actually look for a fight. apparently nothing is good enough. And if there's nothing to fight over, they'll go out and find something. That something that they find might not even be directed to them or at them, but they'll gravitate toward it so that they can grouse and squabble. These resemble the person who is walking along the way sees a dog sitting on the lawn and has to go over to the dog, grab the dog by the ears, and give him a big twist. Proverbs twenty-six, seventeen: the like the one who takes a dog by the ears is he who passes by and meddles with strife, not belonging to him. Got to find it. This happens even if the dog lives next door, right in the neighborhood. Tragically, this squabbling happens all too often with the Holy Spirit. Instead of Christians pursuing the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, there seems to be a parsing of Christians into a bunch of pieces. Sides are taken, and then the door is open to all kinds of arguments and scraps and squabbles, quarreling and bickering, and then, as a result, disfellowship over the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, the one who produces union? How about getting down to some basics, some Holy Spirit basics? I understand differences of opinion and growth over the years. I, like you, welcome convictions and sincerity, and we even recognize sincerely held convictions. Still, I scratch my head at the inclination to be combative. As if my right view makes me right with God and gives me the right to bash others. Do our right views allow us to step on others, treating them like rungs on a ladder as we ascend to the position of some heavenly or spiritual perch. How about getting down to some Holy Spirit basics? I've heard it said, perhaps you have as well, that if you're not doing all that is found in the Bible when it comes to the Holy Spirit, then you are not faithful, uh, less than biblical, and depriving the saints. Questions can be asked about spiritual gifts, signs and wonders and the speaking gifts of prophecy and tongues, the hearing gift. And some will say that's the norm. And then lines are drawn, fire rings are built, and there's camping. Yet it could be pointed out, and should be pointed out, that the majority of biblical history is not marked by signs and wonders. Here's one example. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord before Eli, And word from the Lord was rare in those days, and visions were infrequent. The irenic professor, John Frame, rightly pointed out many centuries in the Bible went by without many miracles being recorded. Professor Frame points to Noah to Abraham, Abraham to Moses, and Malachi to Jesus. Centuries. Moses himself spent 40 years in the wilderness before God appeared to him in a burning bush. It is easy to forget that these ordinary lives found throughout the Bible also demonstrate the life and the activity of the Holy Spirit. Still, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, there seems to be an itch or a fever to scamper off in pursuit of the sensational or the extraordinary and neglect the ordinary. So, how about some Holy Spirit basics? And here's a question. How is the Holy Spirit known and shown? Let's start there. How is the Holy Spirit known and shown? This passage today begins with something that needs to be our starting point, our continuing point. It needs to flank us, and we need to keep this before. The Holy Spirit is God's presence with us. The Holy Spirit is God's presence with us. Look at the end of verse 24. We know by this that He abides with us. How? By the Spirit whom He has given to us. Holy Spirit is a gift. Holy Spirit comes from outside of you. You cannot calisthenic it up. You cannot gin it up. Holy Spirit is a gift given to us. The Lord abides with us. Remains with us. Not because we are so great, so worthy, so righteous. But because the Lord chooses to dwell with his children. The Lord has dwelt with his people throughout history. The Lord is with us. And John cares enough for the congregation to say, I want you to know this. God's presence is with you by His Holy Spirit. This is an expression of Emmanuel, God with us. And this continues. You are not abandoned. You are not left as orphans. The Holy Spirit is God's presence with us. Start there. What does that look like in your life? What does that look like as you are someone? As someone with whom the presence of God dwells. What does that look like? There's the first point. Next. How else is the Holy Spirit known and shown? Well, the Holy Spirit, you'll know the Holy Spirit is present because the Holy Spirit testifies of another. Take a look at chapter 4. I'm going to read the first three verses of 1 John 4. Beloved, do not believe every spirit... But test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this, you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Messiah has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is of the anti-Messiah, of which you have heard it is coming, and it is now already in the world. How about some Holy Spirit basics? John is saying that the promised Messiah has come. He walked among us. John began this letter of pastoral affection by saying, You know what? We have heard him, we have seen him with our eyes, and our hands have touched him. The Holy Spirit, John says, points to him. How is the Holy Spirit known and shown? By pointing to the Messiah. That's what John is saying. The Holy Spirit is known by the confession. Jesus as the Messiah came in the flesh. And in John's day and even in this day, there are some who are busy saying of Jesus, Nope. No way. Yet. Not right. Not him. Can't be. John says, These are the false prophets. They are of another spirit. They are the deniers. And John calls them the anti-Messiahs. They're against the Messiah. And remember, in this portion of John's letter, world refers to the old covenant world of pre-Messiah Judaism. And they're busy saying, no, we're in our own world they refused the Messiah who ushered in a new world. So that's why John goes on to say, they're of the world. They don't get what you're talking about. Those who do get it, they're of the new world of the Messiah. So the Holy Spirit is known and shown through the testifying of another. This ought to be seen in us as well. So let's go back to some Holy Spirit basics. The abiding presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives is shown with lives, our lives, that point to and testify of another. Do our lives testify of Jesus the Messiah? If someone is busy exalting himself... Or herself if they've got their own Messiah complex we can conclude that such is not produced by the Holy Spirit this is basic now when the Spirit of God equips us we are equipped for others when the Holy Spirit gives us gifts these gifts are to be given employed for others the gifts of God are not for you, they're for his bride. Because he is a faithful bridegroom who gives gifts to his bride. Paul said it well. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. He said that to the church in Corinth. The church in Corinth. Everyone in the church of Corinth had received the Holy Spirit that manifestation of the spirit was given to you not for you but for the for him and her and them. It's not the me, it's the we. It's not my, it's us. It's given for the common good. Simon Peter said it well. 1 Peter 4:10 As each one has received a gift, Greek word charisma, as each one has received a charisma, Let him employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. You received a spiritual gift? Employ it for others. Now, by the way, if we started here sticking to some basics, it would help us clear up a common misunderstanding about the so-called gift of tongues. A number of years ago, and still to this day, I will hear some people speak of tongues as a private prayer language, something given for the individual. But God's Spirit is given for others. God's gifts are given to be employed for others. It is not for you. God's gifts point away from you. God's gifts are to cause us to look from the gift to the giver, and then to his bride. The gifts that the Lord gives us are for his honor and for the serving of others. Let me try to simplify this in another way. What we've been given is to be given. Consider the grace of forgiveness, the gift of grace of forgiveness. Someone comes to you, confessing their sin, repentant, seeking the grace of forgiveness, the proper biblical answer is I can give you what's been given to me. I will give you the very same grace that the Lord has given me. We're to forgive one another just as God in Christ has forgiven us. Now, that great gift of forgiveness, it would be odd for someone to run up and down the aisle saying, let me tell you how much God has forgiven me. I want to I wanna talk about how much grace I needed because I was such a scoundrel. I was such, I was such a mess. And all of a sudden, the focus is upon I was such a mess. No, God's given me grace. I, I'll give it to you. The Holy Spirit is the presence of God. The Holy Spirit points to or testifies of another. Do we testify and point to another? You want to do a scratch and sniff if the Holy Spirit is present? Does that person's life point to the Holy Spirit? Or is it... I'll tell you what I do. One final basic. The Holy Spirit is a paraclete. Now, that's a Greek word that is rendered variously, but I... Yes, I used it because it starts with a P, but it's also a biblical word. Um, paraclete it can be rendered comforter helper advocate intercessor encourager as the paraclete the holy spirit convicts us of sin and confirms our adoption this is encouraging So as I was walking through this, I asked a question. It's something that I've pondered on over the years, and I'd like you to join me in this ponder. I have pondered and wondered about the way that the Holy Spirit, as the presence of God, and as one who points to another, and as paraclete, has convicted me of sin over the years. Please join me in that ponder. How has this been done? What about you? How has the Holy Spirit shaped you, drawn you, pulled you, convicted you of your sin and confirmed you as a child of God? I asked this question. Has every single one of my sins been pointed out and blasted at the same time, in the same way, every time. Leaving me with no breathing room, only crushed, unraveled, demolished. Is that the way the Holy Spirit has dealt with us in our sin? What about you? Oh, there are times of unduntedness being unraveled, but with every one of your sins? Answer that. And have they been pointed out and blasted in the exact same way every time? We know of our sins partially. The Holy Spirit, as the presence of God, knows all of our sins Accurately. And the Holy Spirit is the presence of God, abides with us, abides with you and me, knowing full well. So, from the basics, how does the Holy Spirit deal with us as sinners and in our sin? How is the Holy Spirit known and shown and what can we learn from this? When John shares this letter of pastoral affection, the Spirit of God is with you. How have you been shaped? Now, live this way. When it comes to dealing with sin and sinners, what about us? Do, do, Do we lack patience? And are we ready to pounce on every violation, whether that violation is actual or assumed? Is that the way the Holy Spirit's treated you? Do we conclude that every sin we see or which is against us happens to be the unpardonable sin and that that person over there is beyond hope or help? This is a profound consideration for both pastoral ministry, parenting, and every relationship we have in the body of Christ. Just before concluding, I'd like to remind you of the wonderful example of a fellow named Joseph in the Bible. That wasn't his only name. He was also known as Barnabas. Love the Barnabas. Would love to meet more Barnabai. In Acts chapter 4, Barnabas is called, his name being translated as the son of encouragement. It's related to the word paraclete. Barnabas is a son of encouragement. His name and his life revealed this. So we're always wondering. I'd like to do a scratch and sniff. I'd like to meet Barnabas. Barnabas. Barnabas is the guy who stood next to Paul, uh Spal, Saul who became Paul. Barnabas stood next to Paul right after Spaul's conversion. He spoke in Damascus. People were wow. And then Paul went to Jerusalem and And the Christians were going, "Uh, I don't know about this guy. We're afraid of him. We doubt him. We're suspicious about Paul. This was the guy killing us. Barnabas stood next to him. Barnabas was also the guy, just before the second missionary journey, Paul and Barnabas are getting ready to go out and to encourage the churches. Barnabas wanted to take John Mark along, and Paul said, nope, that guy left us. So Paul and Barnabas had a severe dispute. They disagreed. This is after a council where the church, okay, we can talk about this, we're going to talk about this, let's get about the work. Paul takes off on his journey. Barnabas says, you know what? I'm going to take John Mark with me. Barnabas, son of encouragement, he got alongside of the people that people going. I don't know about that guy. Paraclete. By the way, later on in Paul's life, when he was an older man, he wrote, bring John Mark He's useful to me in the ministry. Thank God for the Barnabases of this world that will come alongside a broken, busted up, rejected John Mark and lead him along the way. So now let me conclude. Summary. The Holy Spirit is known and shown as the presence of God abiding with us The Holy Spirit is known and shown as one who testifies of another and we are to do the same. The Holy Spirit is a paraclete. The encouragement and comfort that we find in the conviction of sin and in the confirmation of our adoption as we are being shaped more and more to the likeness of Jesus Christ. This is to be seen in us and from us. There's the summary. That's what we just did. Now, Holy Spirit basics, if this sermon was disappointing because you wanted me to get down and scrappy and to do some kind of a search and destroy mission with all of those other wrong-headed folk who are so wrong about the Holy Spirit, then you likely needed to hear this sermon. As I considered this, I was reminded of Psalm 131. O Lord, my heart is not proud, nor my eyes haughty, nor do I involve myself in great matters or in things too difficult for me. Surely I have composed and quieted my soul like a weaned child against his mother. My soul is like a weaned child within me. If I can't get the basics straight, O oh Lord, lead us not up from here if you're not with us. With these Holy Spirit basics, you can tell that I have urged a crawling before a toddling and a toddling before a walking and a walking before a running. And I'm a fan of running. Not as much as I used to be. Now, the ability to run does not mean that you have skill in running. I would like to refer to something called um, head height countertops. There was a time when my son was a wee lad, and he had a couple of friends, and they used to love to run. There was a certain period of time when they would just run through the house, and uh, a friend's house, and they had a countertop, a marble countertop, right at head height of these three boys. They'd come flying through the kitchen, clunk. They'd go back out and keep playing. Then they'd start running again. Ability to run doesn't mean they had skill in running. They had all kinds of dents on their heads. Holy Spirit basics. Some want to change the world in Timbuktu but they don't want to change a diaper. Some want to start a new ministry over there without being steadfast in the labors that the Lord has put in front of them right here. So this has been an encouragement for the glory of the steady, ordinary faithfulness. I would call it glordinary Holy Spirit basics are a good place to start. May the Lord be kind and bless us for we are his children. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your presence with us, for your faithfulness as you shape us more and more into the likeness of your Son. Thank you for the communion of the saints where we see your work and your hand among us. Continue, Lord, demonstrating your love toward us as you shape us into the image of your beloved Son. Father, we'll trust you for your faithfulness in all of this and ask that you continue to grow us as we pursue a like faithfulness bearing your name. We pray this in the name of Jesus, our Lord, and amen.